Philippians 3.10, Paul's prayer was this. I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of his resurrection. The resurrection is a, is a big deal. God's original intent, what God had in mind when he started this whole thing, was to live amongst humanity in perfection. Humans were created with perfect bodies. They were put in a perfect place called the Garden of Eden. They experienced a perfect relationship with each other, a perfect relationship with God, a perfect relationship with animals, and a perfect relationship with the environment. I mean, just think about it. If God's intent wasn't originally to be with people on earth, why would he have started it that way? If it wasn't his intent, all he had to do was take Adam and Eve up to heaven where he was and hang out with them there and then send them back. His intent was to be with humanity on earth. Now instead, God came down and walked with his creation. Genesis 3.8 tells that Adam and Eve heard God walking through the garden in the cool of the day. He liked to be with his people. In a real sense. That was his original plan. And at one time that was reality. And it will be reality again. That's what the resurrection is all about. But because of man's fall. We sinned. We broke God's law. And because of that. A curse was pronounced over the entire creation. And so things were introduced. Into the created order. Like deterioration. Like decay. Like disease and like death. It entered the world. And for a moment, it looked like the devil won. It looked like the devil beat God's plan because stuff got all screwed up. But the devil didn't destroy God's plan. It just, he just delayed it a little bit. And so we experience that delay in things like deterioration and disease and death. That's how we experience this delay of God's original intent. Romans 18, uh, Romans 8, 18 uh, and 20 in different translations, say this. The created world can hardly wait for what's coming. Everything in creation is being held back more or less in some way. The created order is like we're yearning for something more. And because of that curse, because of our sin, humanity and creation is in need of a resurrection because the resurrection is a... It's a big deal. One of you listen. I'm not afraid to start this all over again if y'all don't pay attention. Now, the resurrection, let me tell you what the resurrection means. It's a happy resurrection day. Easter is about the resurrection. The resurrection means that the curse that humanity and creation has existed under, deterioration, disease, and death, the resurrection means that has all been destroyed. Our problem, though, is that we don't live in the realization of that all the time. But the destruction of the curse has happened in totality in the heavenly realm. And it will happen one day in the earthly realm. Because it was God's original intent. When all of creation, when God renews it, redeems it, and recreates it, what the Bible calls in Revelation the new earth, And Christ's followers will live alongside God in reality in that new earth. So, what Easter really means is the curse has been reversed. 
Say that with me. The curse has been reversed. That's what, that's what Easter means. That's what resurrection means. Say it again. The curse has been reversed. Our problem is we don't see it all the time now. Though it has happened, one day we will live in the reality of it. And that's why Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, is such a big deal. Now, I love you, and I love the ranchos, and I love Riverstone. Like I said, you can't fake love for 17 years. And so I want to talk to you because I love you about what Easter is, about what resurrection is. Because Easter means the curse has been reversed. I'm going to talk about it. Revelation 22.3 says this, that no longer will there be any curse. Now, just imagine what that means. If the Bible didn't say anything else about heaven, that has told us enough. That there's no more curse. What would our lives be like if we lived without a curse? Can you imagine? Huh. I mean, think about it. One day we're going to know what that is firsthand. So now, though we don't live in the realization of that, now we live with the anticipation and expectation of it. That's why we want to know what's heaven really like. Because what that question is, that question is really a statement that I'm living with the anticipation and the expectation of something better than what is, right? So to understand the power of the Easter, we have to understand what this word redemption means. Redemption means to regain possession of a thing in exchange for payment. Redemption means the canceling or payment of a debt. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands so we can know how many of y'all are in debt. I, we don't, we'd, we're just going to assume it's somebody you're sitting next to. All right, so let's just assume that. So just imagine if the person sitting next to you, all of a sudden showed up and said, let me take care of all your debt. How liberating would that be? Yeah. <laughs> That'd be awesome, huh? Yeah, well, we ain't going to do that for you. You got to work that out on your own. But here's the thing. Like Jesus became man and lived as a man in order to redeem mankind from that curse. The work of Jesus was not just to save an individual, was not just to save an innumerable people, but God sent his son into the world to redeem all of creation. Because the resurrection is a big deal. Now, when y'all say that, you got to say it with big eyes. Because if you say it with little eyes, it's a big deal. It doesn't mean much. But you say something with big eyes, that means something. The resurrection is a big deal. The work of Christ was nothing less than the redeeming entire creation from the effects of sin. That's what resurrection is. The lifting of the curse, though, came at a terrible price. The Bible tells us in Galatians 3 that Christ has redeemed us from that curse, having become a curse for us. So Jesus became the curse of deterioration, of disease, and death when he hung on the cross. He, he, he became... And the removal of that curse, because what Jesus did on the cross, means that people, means that culture, means that earth, means that the universe will again be as God intended. He ain't done with it. 
Jesus came not only to save spirits from hell, which at most would be only a partial victory. The devil would have won in destroying God's original plan. Jesus came so that the whole of creation would be saved from decay and de disease and death. Bodies, not just spirits. Earth, not just humanity. Universe, not just earth. The whole shebang. Because the resurrection is a big deal. So God removes the curse, not only morally from our sins, not only psychologically to free us from our sorrows, but physically in terms of decay. He's going to make all things new again. Christ's victory over the curse. Now understand this. Christ's victory over the curse will not be partial. Death will not just limp away wounded. It'll be annihilated and utterly destroyed. And you need to know that. And I need to know that. Because there's a way around and through this death thing. If redemption falls and fails to reach the furthest boundary of the curse, that redemption is incomplete. And so Almighty God will not be truly satisfied until every sin, every sorrow, and every thorn has been completely reckoned with. That is what heaven is. When every sin, every sorrow, and every thorn has been completely eradicated. That's heaven. And God's model is Eden. And Eden is his plan. And God accomplishes that through the resurrection. Because the resurrection is a, it's a huge deal. Who said that? Yeah, it's a huge, ain't a big, that's a huge deal. See, the resurrection is the guarantee of the transformation of a dying earth into a vital new earth. That is fresh and uncontaminated, no longer subject to deterioration and disease and death. The curse is real. We feel it. We know we experience but it's temporary and jesus's resurrection is the cure for the curse the earth won't just be put out of its misery one day it'll be infused with greater life and greater vitality that has ever known and at last it and we will become all god meant and intended for it and us to be now please understand this Resurrection is not simply the resuscitation of a dead body. That is not resurrection. The resurrection is not simply the resuscitation of a dead body. The resurrection is the emergence within time and space of a completely new order of life. And that new order of life is what heaven is all about. And it was made possible to us through the death and resurrection of Christ that we celebrate on Easter morning. There are two things that humanity, that this you has never experienced. Two things. One, well, three things. A recent Raider Super Bowl, but that's beside the point. Two things. A perfected earth and perfected bodies. Humanity has never experienced that, though that was God's intent. You know what? Can anybody define for me what the gospel means? Anybody shout it out. What's the, what's the gospel mean? Good news. Gospel is one of those, one of those church words. It's the gospel. You hear talk, somebody talk about the gospel. They're going to go old school on you. 
The gospel, though, it means good news. And so here's what I want you to understand. The resurrection is the gospel. Why? Because it's good news, and it is a big deal. And the, the resurrection is far greater than anyone has ever imagined. The, the, the redemption by Jesus through his resurrection means the restoration of the original plan of God one day. That's what Christians look forward to. And this is the celebration of Easter. Easter is a looking back and it's a looking forward. It's looking back to the price Jesus paid for our sin to annihilate the curse on the cross. It's a looking back to what he did. But it's also a looking forward to the reality of what heaven is. That heaven means God living with us. And even beyond that heaven, it's a looking forward to the new earth when God takes up residence with his people. It's amazing stuff. Now, you'll forgive me for a minute, but I get excited about this stuff, and I start to geek out a little bit. That's why I went into this business. With God taking up presence with his people on a new perfected earth, because Eden was his plan A, that fits perfectly with his plan. That's what's going to happen. And for people who have a relationship with Jesus, this is what we look forward to. The breadth and the depth of the power of the resurrection will escape us if we think it's limited to humanity and our souls. Colossians 1 says, By Jesus, he reconciled all things to himself, whether things in heaven or on earth. All things. In the Greek, you know what the word all means? How many, by, how, how many Greek scholars we got? You know what all means in Greek? It means all. I got two Greek scholars here. That's all right. Now, now you all know. And so when he says to, 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 to renew all things, it means all things. And so, and so I love you so much, I need to explain this to you. Heaven and the new earth, now guess this, heaven and the new earth are not our default destination. Nobody goes there by default. Nobody experiences the power of the resurrection by default. No one gets that automatically. Unless that cursed problem has been dealt with individually, heaven is out of reach. Now, those real religious church people that talk about the gospel, we also talk about stuff like this, about being with Jesus in heaven about being reunited with those who have gone on before us who were Christ followers and seeing them again and being with them, about the great experience and adventure that is heaven and about the new life and new earth. We talk about that stuff a lot, but here's, I'm going to tell you the danger in talking about that. The danger talking about that is to assume that you're headed to heaven because you've been good. That's the danger. Because I guarantee you, you might think you've been good, but there's someone sitting on your right or left that knows you've not been good. Right? Can we just be honest? I know we got dressed up pretty, which, by the way, you're the best-looking church in Riverstone right now. We, we, we can make ourselves look real good for a little bit. But someone knows some dirt on us. And even if you're better than the person sitting to the right or the left, you're probably not better than the person sitting behind you or in front of you. Someone is better. 
And so the danger is to assume that we get all this because we've been good. The other danger is assuming that God just lets anybody in or everybody in. Because when we say God lets everybody in, what we really mean, he lets everybody like me in, right? And so we stand on shaky ground when we think that. Jesus said, small is the gate and narrow is the way that leads to life and few people find it. So let me just say this. You best not wait and see when it comes to realization what comes on the other side of death. Don't play that game of chance. Now, when all those religious people use words like unsaved, here's what they mean. Those who don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. So those who don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus, those who are unsaved, will be judged by God according to the works that they do. The Bible's real clear about that. Which are recorded in heaven's books. There's a big, big old book in heaven. Someone's taking notes. <laughs> and because those works are recorded, those works by which we will be judged include our sin. And so people who are on their own without a relationship with Christ can't enter the presence of a holy and just God. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, your iniquity, it means your sin has separated you from God and your sins has hidden his face from you because of the curse. John 14, Jesus says this, I am the way and I am the life and no one comes, no, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so the way to all of this is a very narrow way that runs through Jesus. If you and I have not accepted the price that Jesus paid, for the redemption, the removal of our curse, we have to pay it ourselves. Now, the great thing, heaven and all this we're talking about, is not attained through religion. I am not a religious man. Flipside is not a religious church. And what I mean by that is I'm not a man that lives by religious rules, and Flipside is not a church that lives by or asks his people to live by religious rules. Because there's a difference between religion and relationship. Religion says all about what I do. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to not do this. I got to not do that. It's everything based on me and my behavior and what I do and my performance. And many, I'd say almost everybody here has tried religion and it's done nothing but left us dry and worn out and tired and abused, right? Some of y'all grew up in a religious church and you ran like hell away from it, Right? That's religion, and that's not what gets anybody into heaven. Matter of fact, religion might keep you out of heaven. Because you think by being good, you get heaven, and by that, you miss it. So the great thing is, is that heaven is not by what we do, but heaven is attained by what Christ has already done. It's finished. It's the difference between a two-letter word and a four-letter word. Do and done. And I'd much rather rest in what Jesus has already done than spend my life trying to do. So here's the thing. If we understand God's nature and we understand our nature, we ought not be shocked that some people 
live in eternity separated from him what the Bible calls hell. That ought not shock us. Where else would those without a relationship with God go when they die? Rather, what should shock us and shocks me is this, that any of us, that I would be permitted into heaven. That's what's shocking. If you knew me, you wouldn't permit me into your house, probably. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and listen, I, I know some of y'all, and I know some of your relatives, and I know once I open the door to you, I'm going to open the door to your relatives, and I don't want some of your people in my house, right? So it, like, it ought not surprise us. What ought to surprise us is that any of us gets a ticket into heaven. Here's what I know. The best on earth is just a glimpse of heaven. And it's just going to get a whole heck of a lot better. Here's also what I know. The worst of life on earth is simply a small glimpse of hell. And it's only going to get a lot worse. For Christ followers, here's what we know. This life is the only hell we will ever experience. Hey, it ain't that bad a hell. But here's also what I know. For those who are not Christ followers, this present life is the only heaven you'll know. And this life is not good enough to be the only heaven you experience. Do you understand? Do you understand? So according to the Bible, what is heaven really like? I'm going to tell you a little bit. The moment a Christ follower dies, we see Jesus face to face, and there's no loss of consciousness. That's what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5. Paul says we are always confident and know that as long as we are home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For Paul, there were only two options for the Christ follower. To be in the body... Or to be with the Lord. There's no loss of consciousness and there's no waiting somewhere. Paul does not conceive of a time when a Christ follower dies that they are not home with the Lord immediately. For the Christ follower to die means we lose the body temporarily and go be at home with the Lord. Philippians 1 says, Paul says, I'm torn between these two realities, life on earth and life in heaven. He says, I'm torn between the two of them and I don't know which one I want better. To depart and be with Christ is better by far, but it's better for you if I remain here. So Paul says, because of your sake, I don't mind staying alive, though I would really like to go be at home with God. That's the reality for the Christ follower. That to go on living here is good for other people's sake. But to go be with Christ is better by far. And there's no soul sleep. There's no purgatory. There's no waiting. There's, there's here and there's him. Hebrews 9.28 in the Passion Transliteration says this, When we die, we'll be face to face with Christ, the one who experienced death once for all and bear the sins for many. When we die, we're with him for the Christ follower. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait. 
Not only that, but for the Christ follower, here's what heaven's like. Jesus calls us by name. John 10 says, he calls his sheep by, here's the thing. We've all heard that adage, just not what you know, it's who you know, right? We've all heard that, right? So, so imagine this. It's not what you know, it's who you know. For the Christ follower, Jesus is going to call you by name. It's not so much that you know him, it's more that he knows you. He's going to call your name because he knows you. And even though he knows you so well, he still wants to be with you for eternity. Hey, the resurrection is a big deal. Let me wrap up with this. What's heaven really like? Luke 16 tells the story of this old man, Lazarus, and this rich guy. Rich guy doesn't have a name. He's just a rich guy. And what we know about heaven is this, that for the Christ follower, personal knowledge continues. You're the same person. And so you've got same with the same knowledge. God will not wipe the hard drive of your brain clean once you get there. That's good news. Because there's stuff I want to remember. Right? I remember when we got Joe. He was two years old when he came to us. I want to remember those early years with him. I remember what it was like to have Caleb and Wyatt run down the hallway and give me a big hug when I come home. There's some stuff I want to remember. Right? I remember when I said I do. And the person across from me said I do. I was a little on I, I was a little worried if that was it's gonna go both ways on that day. I want to remember that. I want to remember when we started Flipside. I want to remember 17 years ago. There's some stuff I want to remember. And what I know is this, that personal love continues. Not just personal knowledge, but personal love continues. We still know and we still have feelings for those we love, our family and those who are important to us. All that stuff. But here's the thing. I'm going to wrap this up next week and tell you what heaven's really like and, and, and where it is and what we'll do. I'm going to wrap all this up. But here's what I want you to know. For the Christ follower, there's a lot more that continues than what ends after death. For the Christ follower, there's a lot more that continues than what ends. For the Christ follower, the curse ends and with it decay. But in the absence of the curse, in the absence of decay, everything else continues just perfected. The resurrection is a big deal. But note, this is only for those who are Christ followers, who have appropriated the great reversal of the curse through faith in Jesus and what he accomplished on the cross and his resurrection. And I don't want you to miss it. And if you've walked away, I want you to walk back to it. There's a lot more coming next week. At Flipside, we're going to talk about what, the, what we'll do in heaven. At Flipside, we're going to talk about what's this new earth going to be like. We're going to talk about where will heaven be, what we'll do there, what it's like, where we have responsibilities, jobs, will there be animals? There better be animals there. I want to see my puppies. So next week at Maywood, 9 and 1030, right here at Stone Creek, 
10.30. But for now, I want to leave you with this. The only way into there is through faith in what Jesus has done. That's the only way. His death for your life. His resurrection to make all things new. Not by what you do, but by faith in what he has already done. So my questions are this. Do you already have this? Or do you need this? There's only two groups of people here right now. Those who already have it. And those who need it. And so I'm going to invite you to do something. I'm going to invite you if you choose to. Join me in prayer. And forever settle the issue of your own redemption. To appropriate the price that was paid for you on the cross of Christ by his death. And celebrate the new life that is yours guaranteed through his resurrection. The resurrection is a big deal. And I don't want you to miss it. So if it helps you to close your eyes, do that. Just kind of get focused a little bit. I want to talk to two groups of people. First, those who have never appropriated this in themselves. There's nothing mystical about it. It's just the ability of your own heart to agree and to say in yourself, I'm sorry, God, I broke your law. That sin, please forgive me and save me. That's it. If you've never done that, I'm going to invite you right now in the quietness of your own heart or out loud with your lips. I don't care which one. Just the, the point is that your heart cries out to God about this. Just to say, Father, I'm sorry for breaking your law. The Bible calls that sin. And I agree with you. I've sinned and am a sinner. I'm sorry. Please save me from the curse of that sin. Thank you that you died on the cross. Thank you that you didn't stay dead. I give you myself today. That's the first group. The second group is this. Those of you who have said that at one time, and because of the curse in life that under which we live, you have walked away. And it's time to come back. And I'm going to invite you in this moment to come back. Say, Father, I know you love me. But I've walked away. I know I've walked away. It's obvious. Thank you that you never stopped loving me. This morning, I come back to you. Help me follow you as best I can the rest of my life. Actually, there's one more group I want to address. It's those of us who live with the knowledge and in the realization of what resurrection is. It's those of us who say, God, whether you keep me here on this earth, that's good for other people, or you take me home, man, I am ready.
I'm I'm ready because I know and I believe that the resurrection is a big deal. It's for those of us who live in the celebration of the resurrection, understand the redemption of Christ, because we know it is a big deal and it has forever changed anything. And so for some of us, this is the perfect day to absolutely celebrate because we know that Jesus has said, are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, come to me. Are you tired? Then come to me. We know that Christ has bid us, you want mercy? Come to me. Come to me, come to me. I died on the cross, I was buried in the grave, and I got up three days later. Come to me. It's those of us who understand that we live in the reality of the experience of the goodness of God, that everything we're looking for is found in him and through him, and because of him and through him, eternity is waiting, and eternity and resurrection is a big deal because we know that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to save us, that whoever believes in him should not perish but live forever. Because the resurrection is a big deal. Start playing that guitar a little bit, Jeff. Here's what I know. Resurrection. Heaven. Newness. Renewal. Perfection. Life. Eden. All things new happen for one reason. Because Jesus died and rose from the grave. Because God so loved. Because God so loved. Because God so loved. I do not want you to leave today without understanding the depth and the breadth of God so loved. Here's my ask. That if you made some decision to follow Jesus and to get back in line with you don't walk out of today without telling someone that you know that God so loved. You don't walk out of here today without telling someone that you know that the resurrection is a big deal. And the way I'm asking you to do that, you got cards on your chair right there. Mark a card right there. Put it in one of our buckets that will be passed in just a moment or at the start here. But let us know because we love you so much. We don't want you to go the rest of this life without us in your life and you in our life. Do you understand that? We love you. We love you. All right? you understand? So here's what we're going to do, church. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to get excited about this because the resurrection is a big deal and it's changed everything. And if you're convinced that, you ought to celebrate more than anybody else here. You understand that? So here we go. Stand up. Put a smile on your face. We're going to sing this song, and we're going to do this good. We're going to do it good. Come on.